0: All right, if you got a Bible, grab it, open it, you know the routine here, <laughs> turn it on, uh, follow along on screen in your outline, or use the Central Church app, um, Genesis chapter 37 is where we're going to start. Um, actually, again, we'll look at um, chapter 41, verse 41 first, um, but we'll get to 37, 39, 41. We're going to be a bunch of different places today. Um, this is week number two of this series called Unexpected. And it's a story, um, of Joseph, guy in the Old Testament, uh, who had some dreams and he followed God and he eventually got to where God wanted him to go. But the path that he took was incredibly unexpected. Um, let, let me kind of, let me kind of set this up like this and talk about unexpected. Um, because there are some things, there's some things in life that, that we know, right? And there's some things that, that we don't know. Like there are some things that we're certain about and some things that we're uncertain about. And when we talk about paths and we talk about getting places, like there are ways that we're certain to get somewhere and there are ways that we're not certain. There are other things, um, not just path related, but there are things that, that, we, that we know, that we have a lot of knowledge about. And there are other things that somebody talks about and we're just like, uh, I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, for, for example... Um, my son Jair and I, um, we went on vacation. We rode motorcycles out to the Black Hills um, a few weeks ago, and um, and we went. We were in Deadwood, and we went to a place called the Fairmont Hotel. I don't know if you guys know about this place or not. Um, it was featured on an episode of The Dead Files. Um, in case you don't know, that's a ghost hunter show. And in case you're wondering, no. Pastor Ryan does not watch it. uh -uh, Uh-uh, nothing. Um, But my son likes those kind of things. And so he's like, hey, I want to go on this ghost tour. I'm like, I don't want to go on the ghost tour. He said, I want to go on the ghost tour. I said, I don't want to go on the ghost tour. He said, you're a chicken. I said, I am, 100%. I don't want to go on the ghost tour. And so we compromised and went on the ghost tour. And, um... And so we're in this we're in this old old hotel and this guy begins to tell these stories and he's going through the history of it and he's he's talking about um all the ghosts and they're talking about sightings and they're passing around a, a cell phone that's got pictures of like these like ghost appearances and, and they're just like light blobs or whatever and, and they're but they're telling the story and as they're telling the story I'm getting freaked out. Like I mean he's like this dude's a really good storyteller. And so so I'm freaking out. And this guy sitting next to me, he he leans over. He goes, hey, man, do you believe this stuff? Like, do you believe in ghosts? And I I immediately went to my go-to answer when somebody talks to me about ghosts. I don't know. Because I don't. Like, Like, I don't know. I don't want to say no because I don't want the ghost to show up and prove me wrong. Anybody else? Like, With that, and so I'm just like, ah, I don't know. And so we started walking through this thing, and it was—I was completely creeped out. It was like all messed up, and it was crazy, and I didn't like it. And no, I don't think we saw any ghosts or anything. But I was—I had convinced myself in my mind, and this is where this tour group really screwed up, because I had convinced myself in my in my mind that we're going to walk around the corner and something was going to jump out and scare us, and that didn't happen. And so I was completely disappointed and wanted my eighty dollars back. Um, but. Anyway, there are some things, like I say all that to say there, there are some things that we know, some things that we don't know, and, and, and sometimes, sometimes God speaks something to us. And, and we understand it. And, and we think, you know, this is, this is exactly where I need to go. And, and we get there and it was exactly the way that, that we thought it was going to happen and it happened exactly the way that God kind of initially laid it out for us. There are other times that God speaks to us and, and we, we take the step, but in the middle of it, we're just not certain. We're just like, God, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Are you, are, did you really speak this? Are you, are you really here with me? Are we really going in the right direction? And, and somebody asked me this this question several years ago. And it's a question that I've asked myself like 200,000 times since. And I've probably asked other people just, just about as many times. And, and it's this. What would you be willing to do if you absolutely knew that God was with you? Like, what, what would you be able, what would you be willing to do if you absolutely knew that God was... Not, I don't know... Not a, I'm, I'm, I'm just not sure. Not like, ah, uh, maybe, but what would you be willing to do if you absolutely knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was with you? Now, I don't know about you, but me at times, that question is difficult to answer. Because see, um, as I told you before, I don't I don't have a hard time believing that God is with other people, but sometimes I have a hard time believing that God is with me because I know me. I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of. I know what I think about. I know I can run people off, and sometimes I feel like I can run God off. That's just the way that I feel. And And so for you, what would you be willing to do? If you absolutely knew that God was with you, what would you be willing to do? Would you take your next step? Would you confess a sin? Would you ask for help? What would it be? What would you be willing to do? Because at the end of the day, at the end of this message, my heart and my prayer is that everybody here is that you will know that God is with you. And he's greater than anything that you could ever possibly be going through. In this story, we're looking at the, um, in the series, we're looking at the story of Joseph, and you missed last week, really quick review. We started out with Genesis 41, 41, which says, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. And we said this was like the golden buzzer moment on Egypt's got talent. I mean, there's no way, there's no way in a gazillion years that Joseph would have ever imagined that he would be at this place. I mean, when the story starts, he's not even in Egypt. He wasn't even close. Now, he's He's close by today's travel standards. I get that, but travel standards thousands of years ago, like dude, couldn't just jump on a plane and just fly to Egypt. I mean, Joseph is 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 far away. Listen, Egypt probably isn't even a thought in his mind. The only thing he's thinking about is shepherding. Like that, like that's it. That's his life. That's where he's at, and he's going to be put in charge of the entire land of Egypt, and that's immeasurably more than he could have ever asked or imagined. Like if somebody would have approached him when he was 17, because that's how old he is when we meet him. He's 17 years old. If somebody would have approached him at 17 and said, Joseph, dream big. Dream big, buddy. What's the biggest dream you could ever have for your life? He never, ever, ever would have come up with this. That's why I always say we need to give up our plans and ask God what his plans are. Because Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 says, his thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And his ways are better than our ways. And so at the end of the day, I want God's plans for my life. I I do. I want God's plans for my life because God's plans are bigger than my plans. His his thoughts are greater than my thoughts. They're bigger than your thoughts. They're greater than your thoughts. Amen? Amen. And so that's what we should want. We should want God's plans. We should learn how to surrender what we want and say, God, whatever you want, whatever you want, even within the unexpected, whatever it is that you want. And so how did we get there? How did he get there? Like, how does verse 41 even happen? How is he made second in command? Well, I told you the beginning of it last week. I told you he had, his dad had given him a robe. Right, His brothers hated him because of the robe. And then he had a dream. We started talking about the dreams, but I didn't tell you the dream. And we'll look at the dream right now. Verse 5. Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, which is a huge mistake, they already hate him because of the robe. Now he tells them this, um, when he told the brothers, they hated him all the more. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up, and all your bundles gathered around and bowed down low before mine. Now if you're Joseph, <laughs> this is a great dream. But for the brothers, no way. Basically what he said was, hey guys, I want to tell you, um, one of these days, I'm going to be in charge and you're all going to bow down to me. By the way, like my robe. Don't you like my robe? Look at, look at your robes. You guys got ghetto robes. I got a great robe. Like, like he, he just, he was continually and like, you know how some people don't know how to quit. You know that? Like some people, like they just keep, they just keep picking and picking and picking. Joseph was like, uh, Joseph didn't know how to quit. And the Bible says in verse eight, his brothers responded. So you think you will be our King? Do you, do you actually think you will reign over us? The, The answer is yes. Do you actually think he will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. See, there's this pattern going on. The the Bible keeps telling that the brothers hated hated and hated Joseph. They hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Verse 9, soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Like, again, Joseph just didn't know how to quit. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun and the moon, that, that means his mom and dad. The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars, that's all his his brothers, and the 11 stars bowed low before me. He's telling me, hey, guys, I had another dream. Like, just like the first dream, had another dream. You're going to bow down before me. I'm going to be awesome. You are not going to be awesome. I'm going to have everything. You're going to have absolutely nothing. I am the greatest. Once again, Joseph didn't know how to quit. And so you've got Joseph, we talked about last week, he was a tattletale, he was telling on his brothers. You got Joseph, the guy with the nice robe. You got Joseph, this guy telling everybody about his dreams, and eventually Jacob, the dad, sends him off to do, sends the brothers off to do some shepherding somewhere else. And we talked last week how he said, Joseph, I need you to go find your brothers. He went out, he found his brothers, and they threw him in a pit. Remember that? They beat him up, they took his robe, and they threw him in a pit. And we said, pit happens, and he's down there. And He's naked. and He's afraid, and he felt abandoned because he is abandoned. And then all of a sudden, the brothers decide, "Hey, let's not kill him. Let's." Uh, w- what do they do with him? Anybody remember? They sold him. Right? They sold him. Nobody wants to be sold. Like like nobody. Can you imagine the humiliation involved? Joseph's probably standing there going, gosh, man, this is the worst day of my life. And we could step in and say, hey, Joe, um, I got some good news. This isn't the worst day of your life, buddy. Uh, It's about to get way worse. Because watch what happens. Verse um, 36, chapter 37. Meanwhile... The Midianite traders arrived in Egypt. Now, again, we talked about this a little bit last week. He's getting, he's going to eventually be put in charge of the entire empire of Egypt. How does he get there? How, how does he get there? Because he never would have gone on his own. He would have never gotten to Egypt. He would never gone to Egypt by himself. But the Midianite traders, out of all the places in the entire world, they could have been going, they wound up in Egypt. Do you see the sovereignty of the Lord here? Do you see how God is in control, how God rules and reigns supreme? how God directs our paths? Do you see? Like he, it's unexpected for him to go that way. But God, but God controlling the situation, but God, the sovereignty of God taking us from where we are to where he wants us to be. He goes to Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar, this is huge right here. Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. Now here's what's amazing. We've already read Genesis 41, 41. We know how the story ends, where Joseph is put second in command of the entire land of Egypt. We know what's coming. We know what's on the way. But Joseph... Hasn't read Genesis forty one forty one at this point. He had no idea what was coming. Joseph just knows, hey, I've got taken out of the pit and now I'm put into Potiphar's house. We often tend to think that that is a bad thing. Like this is a horrible situation. And we look at it as punishment. This is not punishment. This was actually preparation for Joseph to step into the position that God was ultimately leading him to. Let me ask you this question. What did Joseph know? Like, Joseph is a shepherd, right? And so what did Joseph know about things like military strategy, Think about it. If he's going to be put second in command of the land of Egypt, one of the things that he would have to know is how to control military strategy. Like he would would need to know military tactics. He would need to know military language. And at 17 years old, coming into the land of Egypt, did he know any of those things? Yes or no? No. He had absolutely no knowledge of anything to do with any of that stuff about the military. And so if that's the the case, this is my question. Where would be the best place to put Joseph to prepare him to one day step into the position that God had for him? Oh, I don't know. Could it be the house of the captain of the palace guard? Think about it. When he's hanging out with Potiphar, Potiphar is the captain of the guard. Do you think he learned some military language? Yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. Do you think he learned some military tactics? You think he learned some military strategy? See, at 17 when he came into the land of Egypt, if he would have stepped into the position at 17, it wouldn't have been a blessing. It would have been an absolute crushing. So God had to prepare him. See, we all want to get to Genesis 41:41. 41, 41. However, sometimes we don't like the route. That God takes us to get there. We don't like the unexpected. Do you want immeasurably more for your life? Yes or no? Yeah, all all of us. Then you may have to go through Potiphar's house. God is going to have to prepare you. He's going to have to prepare me. Like, 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 think about this. Even though we don't, we don't like the route. Like, like have you ever ridden in a car with somebody and you're going from point A to point B, but you don't like the way they go? From point A to point B. You know what I'm talking about? Does that bother anybody? It's just just me? Number one, that's why I don't ride with anybody. We'll take separate cars. Because I know the best route. But but if I do have to ride with you, and we're going somewhere, in my mind, I'm thinking, why are you turning here? No, don't turn here. It's quicker to turn here. It's it's easier to go this way. Like, what are, what are you doing? What, does anybody else do that? Like, be honest, in church, on a Sunday, can't lie, before God. Like, yeah. we, we all, We all have our own routes. And see, that's how we want life to happen as well. We all want to get to the Genesis 41, 41 place, but are we willing to take the route that God wants us to go? L- listen to me. You don't know a better route than God. You, you, just, you just don't. Because at the end of the day, Joseph, you could have looked, looked at Joseph and you could have said, hey man, Joseph, I, I feel sorry for you that you're in this position. But if Joseph is looking back at all he went through, he would have said, oh, you know what? I was just getting ready. I wasn't ready at 17 to step into the place that God had for me. God had to take me to Potiphar's house in order to prepare me. That's why the phrase, I'm getting ready, needs to be like a mentality that many of us have. Like Think about that. Like Think about that phrase, I'm getting ready. If you've ever gone out with a girl and she said, give me a few minutes because I'm getting ready, that doesn't mean anything. It's an indefinite period of time. You could plant and harvest the garden. Am I right, men? Am am I right? Like, seriously. For a man to say, I'm getting ready, it's like three minutes, tops. Men just walk into the room. (sniffs) I mean, even if you fail the smell test, it's like, change a shirt, I'm ready to go. Like, that that's that's it. That phrase, I'm getting ready, like, that's an indefinite period of time when it comes to relationships. Yes or no? Come on, you all know the answer. Yes or no? Yeah, nobody wants to say it. But you know what? It's an indefinite period of time sometimes when it comes to God too. That's why we have to have the mentality of, I'm not where I need to be right now. That must mean that God is getting me ready. God's getting me ready. God's preparing me to step into what he has for me. Because God is always, church, listen, God is always going to take us from where we are to where he wants us to be. And that's what's happening to Joseph. It's a completely unexpected path. Now... We're going to skip ahead a little bit. We're going to skip over Genesis 38. Genesis 38 is not about Joseph. Genesis 38 is about Judah and Tamar. And man, that is a jacked up story. And uh, we'll talk about that some other time. Um, But we pick up Joseph's story in chapter 39. It says this in verse 1. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Islamite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar. This is the second time the author of Genesis wants us to know this. And so he wants us to understand. He wants us to get this. Um, By Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Once again, the best possible place for Joseph to learn about the military. God God put him in school, so to speak. And, And then the Bible says this, and this is crazy. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. Now, hold up, hold up, hold up. Joseph's technical occupation. If you would have given Joseph a form to fill out, like, hey, write down, like, your current job. What would he have to, had to write down as his current job status he had to written down what slave right that's what he was slave now I'm sure on Joseph's vision board, if he had one of those, at no point did he write down the word slave and so here's the question: if the Lord is with him, why is he a slave if if the Lord is with you you see where I'm going with this? the Lord is with him, why is he? a slave. See, we typically think that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. And if bad things are happening to you, you probably got some secret sin going on in your life or something you did 10 years ago or something your dad did or something your grandpa did. We don't think bad things can happen to good people. But the Bible clearly says that Joseph was in slavery and the Lord was with him. And I say that to encourage somebody. I don't know what, what storm you're in the middle of. I don't know if you're in the middle of an addiction. I don't know if you're in the middle of depression. I don't know if you're in the middle of anxiety. I don't know if you're in the middle of a bad relationship situation. I don't know what situation you're in, but I do know this. If the Lord was with Joseph in the situation of slavery, he's with you in your situation today, no matter how dark your situation may seem to be. The Lord was with Joseph in slavery So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. I mean, if you're going to be good, be good, right? Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. So he got closer to Potiphar. He kept getting promoted within Potiphar's house. And and don't miss this. This isn't the message for today, but it's in the text, so I'm going to throw it out there. We will never be second in command of a nation if we're not willing to be second in command in somebody's house. In other words, God's saying, I've got to be able to trust you with the small things before I can trust you with the big things. That's going on and on and on in the story right here. So Joseph is doing all of these great things, right? He keeps getting promoted. He keeps getting promoted. Things are going great for him, but he had a problem. Potiphar had a wife who was, the best way to say this, the best word to describe her is she was promiscuous, right? Potiphar was married to Hattifer. Like, that, that's a good way to say that. And the Bible says that Joseph was handsome. He was good looking. So she was attracted to him. And so let me, let me ask this question. Was this a temptation for Joseph, now, I know, I know, I know, I know. We're in church we're supposed to give church answers. No, this was not a temptation for Joseph. He was a man of God. Listen, listen, listen. Anytime we are planning on doing something great for God, we need to expect temptation to come our way. Temptation came Joseph's way through the way of Potiphar's wife. And she was pretty aggressive. In chapter 39, it says that she went up to him and she just said, flat out, Come to bed with me. L- listen, it's not because she wanted to cuddle. The Bible says she was aggressive over and over. She was pursuing Joseph day after day. Once again, how old was Joseph? How old was he? 17. Men, at 17, were your hormones a little bit crazy? Yes or no? No one in here has the courage to say yes. I'll answer for you. Yes! yes. Guys, men, here's the typical question. How do you know if a man's in the mood? He's breathing, right? I mean, that's just it. So was this a temptation for Joseph? Yes or no? Yes, absolutely. She comes to him and she's like, hey, come to bed with me and watch this, verse 8. But Joseph refused. What? Dude, you did you did what? He refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you. In other words, he's, 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 he's not saying I'm not interested. I don't want to do it. That's not what he said. He says this. He says, how can I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Oh, hold on, Joseph. How can you say that? Like, how, how are you? how are you still holding on to God? You had all those dreams. You got beat up by your brothers. You got abandoned by your brothers. You got lied about by your brother. You got sold into slavery. Now you're a slave in Potiphar's house and you're still talking about, you're still holding on to God. Joseph, how do you do that? How do you hold on to God with everything going on in your life? I mean, if Joseph is writing a book called My Life Sucks, he's on the cover. Like, like, like that's it. He didn't have, like, he didn't have the Bible app on his phone. He didn't have Christian t-shirts. He didn't have cool Christian sayings to fall back on. He didn't even have a church. And so how do you hold on to God? In the midst of all of that, in the midst of all hell breaking loose, in the midst of the unexpected happening, how do you hold on to God? Well, this is what I think. I don't think he held on to God. I think God held on to him. See, when we make it through a tough time, a tough season, even if you're in the middle of a storm, you know in your heart, if you make it through, you, you, you know, you know, you know, it wasn't because you held on to Jesus. It's because Jesus held on to you. That's why they call it amazing grace. Because if we could make it through on our own strength, We wouldn't need his grace. So I don't think Joseph held on to God. I think God held on to Joseph. And I think God's holding on to someone here today. And I think he wants you to know that, hey, I am with you. I've never left you. I have never forsaken you. I am carrying you through. I am taking you from where you are to where I need you to be. That's what's happening to Joseph. Because as the story continues, Joseph turns... Potiphar's wife down and she tells Potiphar a lie. She tells a lie about him. And again, he's been lied about before. He was lied about to his dad, he's lied about again. But he did the right thing. So so nothing bad will ha- I mean he did the, he turned her down, right? He ran from her. That's that's the right thing to do. Yes or no? Yeah, so nothing bad's going to happen to him, right? Cuz if you do the right thing, then good things are always going to happen to you. Wrong. Verse 19. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. Cause she, she made up this story about how Joseph was trying to take advantage of her. She had grabbed his robe when he's running away and he's streaking naked down the thing and it's just, it's crazy. Go, go read it. It's awesome. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held and there he remained. This sucks. Once you get, you're, you're, you're taken out of the pit, right? Think, think about Joseph. Taken out of the pit. You're pulled out of the pit. You're sold into slavery. You're part, part of Potiphar's house. Things start working. Things are amazing. You start doing the best you can. You rise up. You're getting promoted. I mean, you're a slave, but you're a good slave, and you're getting access. All these great things are, are happening. You do the right thing, and then you get thrown into prison. Aren't you like, come on, God? Are you kidding me? Well, let me ask you this question. How much Egyptian and worldwide politics did Joseph know about when he arrived in Egypt when he was 17 years old? Let me help you. Zero. Remember, dude was a shepherd. And so, because they had no colleges or university in this time period, where would have been the best place for Joseph to learn Egyptian politics? Both the good and the bad. I don't know. Could it have been where the king's prisoners were held? Because the king's prisoners were political prisoners. And so when Joseph was sent to prison, it wasn't a put down. It was a promotion. See, in Potiphar's house, you could say he got a bachelor's degree. In prison, he's going to get his master's in politics. God is preparing him for the palace. So maybe the situation you're in right now isn't punishment at all. Maybe it's preparation. Here's how we know that God can trust him in the palace. Because he stewarded the prison well. And if we can't steward the prison, why in the world would God trust us in the palace? It's in all the world's areas. Because he can't trust us with the small things, he's not going to trust us in the big things. Watch what happens. This is crazy. Verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph in prison. Really? Really? Because see, the Sunday school answer, what you're normally taught in church is, if the Lord is with you, you'll never even be in prison. But you know what? Sometimes God will allow us to go to prison so we can learn to receive promotion with humility. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden, which sounds awesome. Except I don't, even, I don't want to know the prison warden. I don't even, I don't even want to know his name. I don't even want to know who he is. Like, I don't want to be that far away. But Joseph, he's like, all right, I'm in prison. I might as well just make the best of the situation. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Look at this. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. It caused everything he did to succeed. The Lord had always been with him. Never left him, never forsaken him. The Lord was with him in the pit. The Lord was with him in Potiphar's house. And now the Lord is with him in prison. The Lord was with him. And I'm going to argue, it wasn't Joseph hanging on to God. It was God hanging on to him. Joseph, because he was a good steward. And and, and by the way, we can't say, God, you know what? My life situation is crappy right now. But when it gets better, I'll be better. No, 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 no. Because again, if God can't trust us with what we've got now, why in the world would he trust us with what we've got next? I mean, this is one of those things where God's plans and God's ways are higher. So let's be faithful with where we are right now, even in a sucky situation. We all know about those, right? I know about those. You know about those. And we have to know that in the middle of those situations that God is with us. God is always with us. That's so what it says, the Lord was with him. Let's keep going. Um, chapter 40, verse 1. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer. Now, the cupbearer would taste the wine before Pharaoh would drink it. And if it didn't kill him, like, it, it, if it wasn't poisonous, Pharaoh got to drink it. Like that, that's, not a, that's not a bad gig, right? I mean, unless somebody's trying to kill Pharaoh and you drink it and, and you'd get killed. But if you, let's be honest, if you sip wine all day, like, that's your full-time job? woo Right? I mean, that's, that's all right. Maybe not. Anyway... The chief cupbearer and the chief baker offended their royal master because the baker went keto with the menu. (laughs) Pharaoh became angry, these two officials, and he put them in prison where Joseph was, in the palace of the captain of the guard. So Joseph right place, right time. They remained in prison for quite some time. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph who looked after them, which by the way, let me kind of say this and move on. You've never met anybody accidentally. God always has a plan and a purpose for the people he brings across our path. And so share Jesus, share Jesus, show Jesus, invite boldly. That's probably another message for another time, but everyone that comes across your path, God has. Let's keep going. Verse 5, this is good. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night. Now, this is cool because Joseph knows something about dreams, doesn't he? Look, God spoke through dreams back then. And listen, I need to mention this. Somebody asked me one time, does God still speak through dreams today? Do you want to box God in? This is my answer. You want to box God in? I, I don't. And so I'm going to say God will do what God wants to do. And if that means that God communicates through a dream, then that's what God does. That God communicates through a dream. Now, let me qualify this. Not every dream is God speaking to you. It's it's not. And so don't run up to me and say, Pastor Ryan, I had a dream that aliens were chasing me. And I was fighting them in the McDonald's parking lot while wearing a Culver's uniform. What does that mean? It means you ate bad pickles before you went to bed. Lay off the pickles and the pot. Like, just stop. Like, it's, I, I don't know. But, but, but dreams, like, I, I believe sometimes dreams mean something. All right? And so I'll just leave that there for now. This one had meaning. These, these dreams had meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today, he asked them. And, and so here's Joseph in a really crappy situation, and he's still concerned for other people. Let me say this, just because you're in a bad situation doesn't justify us being in a bad mood and being mean to people. In fact, I'll say this, that's how you know that God's working in your life. All hell can be breaking loose, but you still have compassion for other people. See, when we lose our compassion for other people, we've more than likely lost our connection to Jesus. I'll just leave that there and keep moving. They replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. Now, hold on. Do you see this? In all of this, God is still hanging on to Joseph because in all he's gone through, he circles back around to, hey, you know what? I see you guys are having a tough time, but God can handle it. Now, that's easy to say if you're the prison warden, but when you're in prison... See, we see God's grace and God's mercy because God's still hanging on to Joseph. Now the cupbearer cupbearer tells Joseph his dream and, and Joseph's like, oh man, good news. You're gonna get your job back. He says, in three days, You're going to get your job back. And by the way, when you get your job back, tell Pharaoh about me. Tell him, you know, hey, I've been put here. It's a bad situation. There's a misunderstanding. I shouldn't be here. Let Pharaoh know. And the cupbearer did the same thing that all of us do when we graduate high school. I'll never forget you, man. I love you. Come here. Give me a big hug. And now we're like, what's her name? Who, like, I don't know I'm not going to accept their Facebook friend request. I don't even know who they are, right? But the chief cupbearer is like, I promise, man. I promise. I will never forget you. I love you. We're going to be best friends forever. And, and, and that's what he tells them. And then the baker says, well, I have a dream too. And he tells Joseph. And Joseph goes, oh, dang. You're going to die. Like, that was it. He's like, in three days, you're going to die. And in three days, that's what happened. The cupbearer got his job back and the baker died. Now we see this in, in verse 23. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. C- can you see Joseph in prison? Joseph, saying, man, it, it, it happened just like I said it was going to happen. He got his job back in three days. The baker died in three days. I, I told the cupbearer to tell Pharaoh about me. So he's going to go tell Pharaoh my story and I'm going to get out today. Oh, it didn't happen today. What's going to happen tomorrow? He's probably telling everybody what happened. And tomorrow happens and he doesn't get out. What's going to happen tomorrow? And tomorrow happens and doesn't get out. And it's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow happens and it doesn't happen. It's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen tomorrow. And it didn't happen for two years. For two years. by this time, Joseph is 30. In 13 years, he's been beaten up, sold into slavery, falsely accused, thrown into prison, forgotten about. But then something awesome happens in God's way and God's time. We see this in Genesis 41 verse 1. Two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. He had a dream. In fact, he had a couple of dreams that bothered him so badly that he called in all of the magicians and all of his advisors and none of them could tell him what the dreams meant. And all of a sudden the cupbearer was like, "Oh." Shoot, Joseph. Hey, 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 Pharaoh. Hey, um, over here. Hey, um, remember, remember a couple of years ago? We had that thing and you threw him, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Well, hopefully you're cool with that thing. Um, I'm over it. But anyway, we had that thing and he threw me into prison. While I was in prison, there was this dude named Joseph and I had had some dreams and he told me about those dreams. And all of a sudden, the Bible says in verse 14, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once. Now, after 13 years of hell, You would figure that Joseph was done with the whole God thing. And Pharaoh told Joseph, hey, I hear you could tell me what my dreams mean. And this was Joseph's reply, verse 16. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied. But God, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. See, I believe it wasn't Joseph hanging on to God. It was God hanging on to Joseph. But Joseph felt God hanging on to him. And because he was leaning to willing to lean in, because he knew God had his hand on him, even in the midst of difficult times, because God having his hand on us, God being with us doesn't mean we won't go through tough times. God being with us means we can go through tough times. This whole thing, through this whole time, God was hanging on to Joseph. And Joseph, when the opportunity came, directed somebody to God. And that's where we're going to pick up the story next week. And so if you're here today in your middle of a storm or a season that seems to be wearing you out, you know what? Maybe you've given up. Maybe you just like, just forget it. I can't do it. That, that's okay. Even if you give up on Jesus, he hasn't given up on you. His presence is right here with you today. And he's closer to you than, than, than you could even imagine. And so as we close today... Listen, if you're going through a tough time, I know it sucks. And I don't have a Bible verse, and I don't have a happy song. I don't have any, any great inspirational saying. I just, I just know it's tough. I don't know how long it's going to last. I, I really don't. I know what it's like to go through it. I don't personally know what you're going through. But I know what it's like to go through tough times. And I can tell you every time I go through a tough time, It isn't me holding on to Jesus. It's Jesus holding on to me. And if he did it for Joseph, and if he does it for me, he'll do it for you. In fact, he's doing it for those of you who think, no, 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 no. You don't understand, Ryan. God's given up on me. Really? Then how do you explain being in this place right now, hearing this message today? I hope you know he has never, ever, ever, ever given up on you, ever. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He loves you always and forever, no matter what. He is with you. You are his whoever. And so what is it today? What, what is it today? Going back to that opening question. Since you absolutely know that God is with you, what are you going to do? Since you absolutely know that God is with you, what are you going to do? That's a question you need to answer for yourself today. It's a question that only you can answer for yourself. Your spouse can't answer it for you. Your parents can't answer it for you. Your friend, your neighbor, your coworker, you need to answer that for you. You absolutely know, since you absolutely know God is with you, he will never leave you, he will never forsake you. You absolutely know he is with you. What are you willing to do?